It's a fantastic Friday morning. Good morning, everyone. It's a, it's a fantastic morning every time we gather as the Daily Huddle family. The Daily Huddle is a growing tribe of passionate people who want to uplift humankind through their work and throughout their communities. We invite you to elevate the way you experience life through rich and inspiring conversations with today's thought leaders. Be prepared to challenge your views about leadership, health, money, spirituality, communication, and relationships. Welcome to The Daily Huddle. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's The Daily Huddle on Friday morning, and there are going to be some phenomenal possibilities inside of today's question, which is, are you giving your audience a fix? or teaching them to fish. I am excited to uh, welcome back to the Daily Huddle, a good friend of mine, Melissa Smith, who has not been on the Daily Huddle for over a year. So Melissa, welcome back. I'm going to tell everyone just a little bit about you. And whatever I say about you is not enough. <laughs> to say who you are and to say the contribution that you are to people in your profession and as a human being. And Melissa is the founder of a company called the Association of Virtual Assistants and the PVA, a firm that matches clients with the right virtual assistants. She is giving Google, Cortana, and, uh, Siri, a ton of competition. Uh, she's also the best-selling author of two books, Hire the Right Virtual Assistant and Become a Successful Virtual Assistant. Additionally, Melissa also mentors for Remote How Academy, the first global online education and individual certification program. She's here as a contributor to the Daily Huddle, no stranger to the Daily Huddle and uh, a member of the family. Melissa, it's great to see you. Welcome back. Good morning. Good morning, it's great to be back. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious, the question you posed for today's conversation, mm -hmm. are you giving your audience a fish or teaching them to fish? Mm -hmm. What triggered that question for you? And what is, uh, what is the intention that's driving the conversation you want to have. Yeah, the, the attention is the awareness about how we're running our businesses, how we're thinking about what we're doing and what the next thing that we're going to be doing, what's at the core of that. And so I start my new year and my new thoughts and my my vision planning and all that in October because that's when my birthday is so for me it's this long process so by the time January hits I feel like that's when I'm I'm close to being ready to having it all together and so this year I knew that I wanted to create and launch an online course but not for the sake of climbing this entrepreneurial ladder. You, you do this and then you do this and then you have a mastermind and then you have a group and then you funnel people into an online course. Like I didn't want any of that. I, I actually refused to be part of that. But for me, it was time because I realized that for years I had been giving VAs this fish. Here's this client. 
here's this person, here's this amazing opportunity. And then when I wasn't doing that, I was getting all these messages. Did I, did I fall off your list? You haven't posted anything time. Um, I, I don't see any clients. Are, are you still doing this work? Because I actually took off November uh, and December and January from my business. I was doing a lot of traveling and just taking time off, moving. Um, and so I wasn't doing that. And all these VAs, they didn't know how to get a client on their own. And it was just so, so real to me at that mm. time. And no. I had already planned on this online course. I already knew that it's something I wanted to do to address a very specific question. But this was actually a deeper reason. I have a book, I consult, I coach, but that's not scalable. And the purpose of teaching the online course wasn't just to scale. I knew it had to be something deeper because being able to scale is so surface, right? Yeah. M Melissa, and I thought I'm teaching them, moment. giving them fish. I'm sorry? Pause for a moment without losing your train of thought. Mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned earlier, you know, there's this thing where you give something free online, you build a funnel, you funnel people through and all that. And you said specifically, I didn't want any of that. Mm -hmm. It left me thinking that there's something in the back of your mind that that produces that may be dysfunctional in some way. Mm -hmm. What is that you're referring to? Um, it's, it's referring to doing business the way that someone else tells you you have to do business. Mm -hmm. And when I never wanted to be in business for myself. I had always said, I won't ever be in business for myself because everyone that I knew that was in business for themselves couldn't go anywhere, couldn't do anything. They were in the restaurant business or the construction business. So we literally had holiday meals at the restaurant. If there was a problem, someone had to go, you know, rainy season, cold season, winter, construction slows down. So you work when you got to work, right? I didn't want any part of that. And so when I created my business, I created a business that I could run away from. I created a business where I could take three months off this idea that I'm going to, why would I work 40 hours a week for someone else when I can work 80 hours a week for myself? Absolutely not. I did not sign up for that. And so I was learning a lot. And I was, I, when I started my business, let me tell you, I was like sub zero. I knew how to do work. I didn't know how to run a business. Those are very two different things. And especially for online service providers, you know, specifically virtual assistants in the realm I'm in, we know how to provide that service. But if your business is merely providing a service, that's still not running a successful business, that's providing a service. And so I had to dive deep into how do I run a business? And I had, went through a lot of coaching. I still work with a coach. I still work with a consultant at all times. I read a lot of books. I was doing a lot of training just to get to what I would call zero, right? <laughs> Let's get to the baseline here because I was sub-zero in my knowledge of how to run a business. So I get to the base level and then I'm like, okay, I'm at base level. Now let's see what other people are doing. Let's see what's working. Let's see all that. And so I was in that. And then I got to this point where I felt like, well, here's all these people that left corporate because they didn't want to create and run a corporate ladder. And they just created an entrepreneurial ladder. And I thought, oh, I don't want to be on this at all. This is not for me. This is not my jam. I'm 
I'm, and I stood, I literally started going down the steps again. Yeah. Um, I just didn't want to be part of that. So when, when you say the entrepreneurial ladder, I'm, I'm, you referred earlier to the, you know, I don't want to work 40 hours a week for somebody else, but I'm leaving so I can go work 80 hours a week for me. <laughs> yeah. And you mentioned that you wanted the kind of business that you could run away from. Mm-hmm. Now, when you met, when, when you refer to the entrepreneurial ladder, mm-hmm. say a little more about that and uh, get us connected to how the entrepreneurial ladder actually creates the trap that I'm hearing you talk about, the 80-hour trap working for myself. What is the entrepreneurial ladder? Yeah, so it starts with typically a hustle. You have, there's always two sides, right? You have the side who says, okay, hustle, 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 work that 80 hours. And then, you know, you'll, it's kind of like a get rich quick kind of thing. They put in your mind. So hustle, 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 do that. And then you have the other side of it that says, no, like, don't do that. But here's how to, you know, create this list. And here's how to build this product. Here's how to get a few solid users. And you're, they're both trying to do the same thing. They're just going about them and teaching them in a different way, but it's, it's the same. So start this, build your list, create a minimum viable product, get that money rolling in. Not wrong at all. Not wrong. And then it goes to the next space. So you've done that. So now you have a following. So now create this next tier, whatever that tier is, right? And then it's like, okay, now you have this. How do you funnel people into the next thing? So you have, you know, this other thing. And maybe now you're writing a book. You're doing a TED Talk. You are creating an online course. And then, you know, you go to the next level. And that's where you have your, you know, private mastermind. And um, now everything else is scalable because it's online courses. So no one can, you know, get to you. No one can work with you. And then you get to the pinnacle eventually, which is this personal brand where you're, you have a slogan, you have a saying, you have like something. And in fact, one of my coaches had me watch a Ted X talk um, yesterday. And this woman kept on saying this phrase over and over and over again. And I'm like, what is she trying to sell me? Like, what are you selling me? You want to have the next catchphrase you want to have the next buzzword out there I, I already know this and I was so completely turned off she's what I call a speaker speaker right um she did everything right there wasn't a there wasn't a misstep in her entire conversation but she's a speaker speaker and she has climbed that ladder she has done it she left corporate climbed this ladder now and I looked up the word that she said, because I'm like, I bet she has it trademarked. And sure enough, it's her the title of her book that comes out next month. And so it's this, this thing that they do. And you can do all those things and not be wrong. You can do all those things and have a successful business. Many of those things create this successful business. But at what point does it become inauthentic to you and the business that you wanted to create? At what point are you doing it? Because someone says, this is what you have to do to have a successful business. And that's the part I'm just like, no, I'm a rebellious person at heart. I'm like, you can't tell me what to do. So for you, Melissa, when did it become inauthentic? Um, It became inauthentic at the end of 2021. 
Um, I was writing another book. I actually finished it. I never released it um, because everything just seemed so uh, transactional. It got transactional for me. And so, in fact, my word for 2022 was unbecoming. And I just, I said, I want to become all the things that I've become to get here because what's going to get me to the next thing is not what I'm doing right now. And I didn't even know what I was going to unbecome. It really was just like, I just knew what got me here isn't going to get me there. And then literally about six months in, I realized what I was becoming was this entrepreneur. I was unbecoming an entrepreneur to go back to being myself, which is someone who just wants to have a business that does something of value, but that I can still run away from. I don't care if my name is on bookshelves and in stores. I don't ever want to be sought out speaker. I don't ever want to be on a stage. I don't want people to recognize me when I go out to eat. I don't care if I have a catchphrase, like none of those things. I just want a business that provides for me, provides for my retirement, provides for my life, and that I can run away from when I want. And the the trends, the trajectory I was on and the transactional place that I was at was not where I wanted to be. And so at that point, I literally was like climbing down the ladder. I started separating myself from people and groups and networking. And I mean, I really got down to like the imaginal cells, like a caterpillar does, you know, a caterpillar, it's kind of like that first seven years of my business. I got myself really fat. I was doing all the things. I got myself really fat and successful, but in order to become that butterfly, it goes into the cocoon. It eats itself in a really disgusting process <laughs> all the way down to the imaginal cells. And then from the imaginal cells, it then regrows and becomes something completely different as the butterfly but it can't do that until it eats itself all the way down. And so last year was my year of literally unbecoming everything that I had become. Yeah. So um, this is, this is beautiful. Uh, and I get that you're not, what you're saying is that none of that is wrong, mm -mm. but for you it became an authentic mm -hmm. and the invitation you're uh, making inside of the question, are you giving your audience a fish or teaching them to fish? How do you now connect all that to that question and what you want to say to us this morning? Yeah, so how I connected is there is a time that people need a fish, right? If someone's hungry, don't go teach them now how to go out and fish. Like they need to eat now, serve them. A fish. And I had been doing that for a long time. And I'm still continuing to do that. But there comes a time and there becomes a level of maturity where you say, it's time for you to do this on your own now. And it there's a, comes a time when people are ready for that, but they may not even know to ask for it. But if I don't give them the opportunity to, to ask for it, you know, where does that go? And so the, to me, the value of it was not, I'm not doing this online course because it's part of this entrepreneurial ladder. It's I'm not doing this because it's simply scalable. Um, although it is, I can reach far more people. I can do far more greater things um, than I could do one-to-one. -one. I only have so much time. 
But my greater good is that I'm going to teach someone how to do this for life on their own. And then who knows what they will do with that and how many people that they will feed because of that, metaphorically and literally. And so when you really uncover, you know, you can say it's going back to the why. When you really uncover that, being scalable wasn't enough for me. That's not enough. I don't care if I'm scalable or not. If I'm making the money that I want to make, I don't care if I'm scalable. Completely unimportant to me. So the fact that I could do this course just to be scalable wasn't enough. I needed my greater good. I needed my, you know, greater why. And like someone had on the back of their um, wall, you know, be the change that you want to see in the world. I fully believe that. And when I needed a fish, there wasn't that person (laughs) to give me a fish. And so I became that person to others. But I needed to know more than that. I needed to learn how to fish on my own. And people were there to teach me that as well. And so it's really about understanding that. And your audience, may or may not be in that place. But until we understand where we want to go, because we are our first client, we are our first client all the time. And if we're not serving ourselves, then, you know, entrepreneurs, business owners, we can get burnout just like everybody else. Like, you know, and that's why you see people, they're like, I'm doing this. And then one day they're not doing it anymore. Instead of having that scaling, that having that dimension, having that as an offering, they just completely drop it and they rebrand themselves because that's more fun and that's more exciting and it's more challenging. And they go off and, you know, do something else. Whereas I'm like, no, I will still do those things. It's not a this or that I'm doing a this and that kind of thing. But I just, I understand why that is. And I understand the greatest value in that. And that drives me because ultimately I have to be willing to do it for one person. Yeah. I'm not willing to do it for one. Why should it be good enough for the masses? Yeah. So there is the potential for people to be continually climbing the entrepreneurial ladder, ladder after ladder. Mm -hmm. And you've chosen to say no to that. And how you say no to that is by teaching others how to fish. Mm-hmm. absolutely good for thought let's open it up for questions and see who's got a burning question or who's got a burning comment <clears throat> chase are you doing that yeah i have something hi melissa how are you today hi <laughs> i'm doing well <laughs> what i was thinking about um, and it was directly related to what you were saying about, you know, giving people or, you know, teaching people to fish, you know, in the musician world, I have people that I lead as a band leader. And mm-hmm. one of the most fulfilling things for me is seeing somebody go off and do their own thing. Right. So there's a quick story about when Luther Vandross used to sing with Patti LaBelle. One day she said, Tonight's your last night. He said, what are you talking about? She said, you're done. Tonight, you're done. He said, you're firing me? She said, no, I'm not firing you. I'm letting you go. You have a gift and the world needs to see it. You can't sing with me anymore. You're done. Mm -hmm. And when I heard that, I was like, wow. She's like, why would I keep you here when the world needs to see you? 
And in your particular area, when you are giving people this tutelage to do what they do, do you find that people more want to stay connected to you while they're doing what they're doing or more they become wildly empowered and become larger than you in their respective field, not larger than you, but capable of doing it on their own without your, what's, what is it more one or the other? Yeah, I would say, you know, those closest to me, um, you know, we have a, a strong relationship right. and I have to remind them the, the measure of my leadership ability is actually to create more leaders, to create people right. who will do things bigger and better than I am. Right. I would be so happy and so excited if they went on to surpass me, if that's the way they chose to see it, that does right. not hurt my feelings right. at all. I believe the world is big enough for, for all of us. Right. Um, but my measure of a leader, if, if everyone just gets beneath me, I know, that's I horrible. Know. I'm That's with you. I feel the same way. I just wish other um, people would see it that way. And they, yeah. They and so I think allowing people to see that and allowing people to know that not only would that be a great thing, but I would be your biggest fan. Like when I tell them my biggest, you know, I know a lot of people want to be on stage and that there's nothing wrong with that. If you have a message, I don't believe I have a message that the world needs to hear. I believe part of what I do, I, I would be on the front row. I said, uh -huh. If you were on stage, I would be in the front row. I would I'll be on the stage. I'll be on the stage. you on, you know? <laughs> Loving my, it. Loving it. Excellent. Thank you, Chase. Jill. You said Jill or Jim? No, Jill. Yeah. Yes. I, uh, thank you, Sorella. Thank you, Chase. Uh, thank you, Melissa. Um, I was, um, I really uh, got, um, what's the right word? Oh God, I don't know the right word, but something like I got hooked um, on the journey of unbecoming. I really liked it. Um, or I wanted to ask you a little bit more about it. Uh, it, it occurred to me as a, as, a, as a transformation of the self, a really like a, a authentic, you know, in the movies, something happens yeah. and then you're never the same again. And it's not like before was wrong. It's just that now there is this unbecoming. And, and I find it really inspiring to, to your journey to, to look at where I'm going. It's exciting. And I want to unbecome all of that for, the, for a new possibility of authenticity. Uh, what is, was there an event for you, Melissa? Like this happened and then you saw something clear that you, you wanted to unbecome. Was there a moment? So I, there was a moment when I heard the word that started me thinking about it. And so I was in, I was in Charlotte and I was um, at this yoga studio and the yoga studio, this was the last class that they were going to be teaching. They were shutting down. The pandemic was just too much for them. And as the woman was walking us through the poses and walking us through everything, she said, but what if this isn't, this isn't, the worst thing in the world? And what if this isn't the worst thing for you? What if what we are all doing is just unbecoming? And when we unbecome, what if we find the thing that we're supposed to become next? 
And, you know, she talked about athletes, you know, you, you move from athletes, you unbecome an athlete and maybe you become a coach, maybe you become a speaker, you unbecome a corporate executive and maybe now you become a corporate coach. Maybe you leave that field altogether and become a baker. I just read about someone doing that this morning. And it doesn't mean that that time was not important. It doesn't mean that you, that that time in your life was wasted, that you didn't bring anything of that. It just means that time in your life, you're closing the chapter on it. You may go back and reread that chapter. You may pull from that chapter in your life, but maybe this new journey is just more, but maybe you have to unbecome this first because if not, then maybe you'll be sad for longer than you need to. Maybe you'll become bitter. Maybe you'll become resentful. Maybe you'll become angry. But if you go through the process of unbecoming, maybe through that process, you will be able to look at all these things and see something greater to become next. And that class, I mean, I was in yoga and I was crying. I mean, it was like super emotional. And I mean, it was so, so powerful. Here she was closing her studio. And apparently, you know, she had been coming to this point for who knows how long and she had reached this point. And I could see that. And I thought, what's next for me? What's next? What if unbecoming this, these things, you know? And that really started my journey. Honestly, I was not thinking about that. That word was not even in my vocabulary. In fact, around the time, I think uh, Michelle Obama's book, Becoming, was the word. So like unbecoming was the opposite of that. Um, but that was that was the moment that really changed it. And seeing her really heartfelt for something that she was losing um, through no fault of her own, you know, that was hard and I could feel it. And yeah, it was tears. Lots of tips. I love it. Thank you, Elisa. Love it. Thank you, Joe. Cece, you'll be the last one. Oh, thank you so much. Um, when I heard you mention something about getting fat, um, I was wondering, could you explain a little bit more? Because I know my little business is producing. And how do I get fat? on my business so that I can become from a caterpillar to a butterfly. Yeah, so the the fat was really the consuming. Um, I consumed a lot. Um, I was very particular in what I consumed though. So in, in like in bodybuilding or whatever they call it, they have a thing where they call it like a dirty weight. Um, so they bulk up. By eating literally garbage food, garbage. But then they use that. And because they're bodybuilders and get really intense, they can turn that into muscle later and also drop the weight. An average person couldn't do that. So I, although I was getting fat on things, I was very particular on who and what I let into my circle. So first and foremost, consume things, but make sure you know what you're consuming. Are they competing? Are they working against each other? Do they go against your values and belief? But if not, then I was just consuming, consuming everything. I was then trying it. I was testing it out. I was not waiting for it to be perfect before it was done. I would do things out. They were kind of duct taped together on the back end, like 
it was about making money so that I could make a living. Um, so that was really about getting fat and consuming the experiences. Consuming the experiences also meant I had to put myself in very uncomfortable situations. I don't have a degree above, above uh, associate's degree. I went to secretary school. Most of my clients and most of the rooms that I was in, people have MBAs, GADs, PhDs, MBAs. Like these are extremely accomplished people. And here I am, I am in the room with them. I'm on boards with them. And yet I serve them, right? Pretty uncomfortable. I created my own initials after my name just because of that. But I had to get uncomfortable doing that. And I had to get really, you know, fat in that. I had to put myself in situations that were bigger than me. If I was going to make it big, I had to play big. Um, I did a lot of calculated risk. I, I took that. Um, and I did all those things. And that's what made me fat and have these opportunities to pull from, right? These networking groups, these opportunities, these, the follow-up, the follow-through, sending out the scary emails, reaching out to the person that um, is like, you know, the big wig that, you know, maybe will answer my message. Maybe we'll answer my email. Maybe not. Maybe we'll take a meeting with me. Maybe won't. I mean, I was swinging for the fences, but you know, I did all that because I thought I, I had consumed it. And, you know, it's kind of like that faith, like a child, you know, do it before you're ready. Just sending it out there. I can look back now and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that because <laughs> I wouldn't even do that now, but there's something about being young in business and that, uh, being naive in business, use those things to your advantage. I did. I wish one of the things I was unbecoming, I'm like, I want to be naive in business again. I want to have a faith like a child again. I want to do things that I'm not supposed to be able to do yet. But I did them before because I didn't know any better. You know, knowledge, you know, can kind of hold you back. You like kind of know all the workings behind the scenes and all that kind of stuff. When I was naive, I didn't know anything. Did it all the time. And so you really have to set yourself up for that. And how you do that is by what you consume in a positive way. You hear something, you do something, you act on it. I read it in a book. I saw it in a mastermind. My coach told me to do this. I did it. Just that, that quick. But we, a lot of times what people do is they hold on to this piece of information. And then instead of using the fat to, you know, have that energy to, to go out and do things and be excited about it, they try to like hone it and turn it into muscle and, you know, distill it down until it becomes just like, oh, well, that's a good idea. And it doesn't bring them that excitement anymore. It doesn't bring them that, that joy, you know, like when we take that first bite of the cake, it feels really good. And it's really exciting by the time we're done and we finish eating it, maybe the next day we even feel guilty. That's how we consume information and we don't use it. That's how that becomes. Oh my God, Melissa. I'm thinking about asking you, what are your last words for today? <laughs> but you've said so much and you've fed us so much. And I'm going to ask you anyway, you know, if we close this chapter and you go back to, you know, you're in Charlotte and you're saying, oh my God, I wish I had said this on the Daily Huddle on this Friday. What would that be? What's your last word for today? This is your sign. 
you know, I think a lot of people are like, I don't know if they were talking to me. I don't know if this was it. I'm waiting for a sign. I'm waiting for someone to tell me to do it. I think there's so much power in that. Everyone wants to do something. Everyone has a dream. Everyone has this bigger calling on their life. And to you, you may be in that world. So it sounds like, well, I'm not the only person. Everyone's doing this. I'm, I'm surrounded by tons of people who do what I do. But you're the only one who knows that. So if you're waiting for someone to tell you, you have a special message, you have a special calling, this is your time, this is your opportunity, like this is it, I'm telling you. This is your sign. This is your sign. Melissa's voice is the voice of the divine. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Melissa. We're going to end the show today and we'll be back. I love you. Giovanni loves you more. Go forth and have a phenomenal weekend. At The Daily Huddle, we agree that the best way to kick off the day is to adhere to Patty Dabrowski's seven principles for having a happy body, sexy skin, a laughing spirit, and a rewarding life. Give. Give of your time, your full attention, and of your unique talents. Move. Move your body to keep it feeling energized and alive. Eat mostly plants. Plants are the purest fuel to help you reach your potential each day. Sleep. Sleep is how the body repairs itself and readies us to give our very best each day. Stress less. According to John Perkins, stress is just a problem without a solution. Choose your solution and dismiss that stress. Laugh. Laugh out loud from your belly to your chest and with your head tossed back. You will fire up your endorphins and bring more energy to everyone around you. Love. Most of all, love. With your words, your thoughts, and your actions, power them with love and watch the way you experience life elevate to all it can be. We thank you for joining us on The Daily Huddle. We are a growing tribe of passionate professionals seeking to inspire a new generation of leaders. Go out and share your unique ability to impact the world. Until next time, 